0: We are in the book of Proverbs. That's where our training is coming from. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and Michael will provide a Bible for you. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of text today. We try to have the text on the website uh, so you can go back because we'll be going through. Uh, there'll be more text up than what we'll be reading. So just to hope that gets your mouth wet to want to go and get the rest of them and, and meditate and think through what we're talking about. Um, as you know, uh, we go through books of the Bible in our community and um, right now we 've been in proverbs for uh some time now, and we probably have another fifteen more weeks we 're going to be ending probably in a, uh, right in the beginning or mid september uh, so uh, hopefully you 've been encouraged and you 're learning about wise and skillful living uh the, the cry of proverbs and and our I eye, our, our, our eyes should 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 just get big and our ears should perk up because proverbs is really it's calling us to account at some level right i mean it's it's you, it, you, Saying so, are you are you really desiring to be wise? I mean, that's what the book is, is crying out and saying it that, that uh, the whole concept of proverbs is, is wise and skillful for living. And so, um, this is one of those books where if you find yourself going, I don't know if I really need this. I think what it's done is it's indicted you in just in your posture. Uh, because it's saying that we're, we're fools if we think we don't need the wisdom of God. So that's what this book is about. That's what we've been going through. Uh, we've taken it in different topics. want to encourage you, well, because of the genre of the book, that's what we need to do. If you, When you walk out of this foyer, if you haven't gotten one to your left, there's a Proverbs document. I encourage you to grab that. Has, um, it has itemized in different topics, uh, all the verses, which is good for you in your own personal devotion to the Lord. I love that part of our little study guide. I think hopefully it'll encourage you as well, okay? We're talking about a very um, intense topic today, a very serious topic of, of anger and hatred. So, um, so yeah, hopefully uh, the Lord will just give us the grace to receive what he has to say in the scripture. Um, when you think of, of this issue of anger and hatred, I mean, you're talking about um, some emotions uh, that destroy people, uh, that destroy organizations, that destroy churches. Uh, and if you notice, um, you have hatred and anger in the same kind of framework, and you might be saying, why is that? Um, with that said, let me pray for us, and then just jump right in and see what Jesus has to say. I mean, this is an area, um, right now, maybe you're going, uh, I don't know if a, a picture of someone that you hate came up, someone that you're angry with. Maybe it's someone that hates you, and you're going, why do they hate me so much? Um, Maybe it's someone that's angry with you. But there's a lot of emotions that get stirred up in something like this, right? Maybe you've experienced hate. You've seen hate happening to other people, and you've had an opportunity uh, to speak the gospel into it, but you haven't done so, right? There's a lot of emotion. So let's try to tackle some of this stuff um, with humility and just seeing what God has in store. Because what we do know uh, is that he doesn't want us shackled, by these things, he wants us free. Let me pray for us. Jesus, would you give us the grace, Lord? When you think of the, the, the topic of anger and hatred, Lord, we just ask that you would give us the grace to look into ourselves, not automatically look outward, um, and just ask you to be doing surgery in our hearts uh, for your redemptive pleasure. Lord, allow the gospel to be clear today. Allow the good news of Jesus to even shine through all these topics because you are the answer to everything. Fill us with your spirit. Edify the church. Be pleased. Speak through me by your grace. In Christ's name, amen. So what is anger and hate? Let's talk about anger. So anger, real quick, is a, we would say a strong feeling of annoyance, right? Um, displeasure or hostility. Um, and then when you look at hate, you have an extreme dislike, right? Or antipathy. Um, now the reason why I put them together is because if you notice intense hostility, if you continue on with the, the, the subject matter of hate, intense hostility and aversion, usually deriving from fear, anger, or sense of injury. Uh, the Bible talks about, you know, uh, be angry, but fear not, I mean, but, uh, do not sin. And we love that verse because a lot of times we try to use that to say, I can really be angry at people when the point where I'm sinning, but I'm not sinning because you don't know my heart, right? That's how we can use that verse, right? <laughs> we can say, well, as long as I can be angry, but I'm not sinning, right? But. When you read the Council of Scripture as a whole systemically, you realize that what, what, what feeds and what births hatred is anger. Okay? And is that when you have anger that's undealt with, right? When you have anger that's kind of, and this is what's, this is what's scary, is when you kind of put it down deep, you kind of act like, I'm okay. Right? What happens is that gives, and in fact, the scriptures talk about this in Ephesians. It's probably one of the, the one of the attributes, even though we know there's many more, but one of the one of the personalities, one of the, the emotions that it says very clearly, don't give Satan a foothold in. This is one of those things that that Jesus has made really clear in scripture that this is an open door for Satan to come in. This area. This area of anger which usually leads toward hatred because we don't deal with our anger. Where does it stem from when you think about our journey? You know, I mean, think about it. We get angry, which moves toward hatred, when at some level our rights are perceived to be violated, right? I mean, when I, growing up, I was taught by a guy, when I started walking with the Lord, one of the first character characters So the biblical truth he taught me uh, was yielding your rights. He would always say, and here's why. Some people need some other stuff. I needed that one first, right? Because he saw, this is your issue, Eric. He would always say, you know what? What scares me about your journey, what's going to derail you from ministry, is you're going to be in an elder meeting, and you're going to go choke the elder. That's what he said to me. He said, that's what scares to.' He said, it's not some consistent thing you're going to do. It's you not having control of your anger and you just, boom, you're going to do something. And all of a sudden, your whole ministry is ruined. And he told me that. I remember I was 19, 20 years old. I and mean, you know I've shared stories like that. And so I, I taught, I teach that to guys that I disciple. What does it mean to yield your rights, right? Why should you yield your rights biblically? Because you have none. As a Christian, you've given them over to Jesus, right? You, it says in the scriptures, you now are a bondservant to the Lord, you don't have rights anymore. So when you go around getting angry because someone did this and someone did that, Jesus is going, hold on. Let's yield those. But now let's talk about how to yield those appropriately. So I want to say that's where it stems from. It's when our rights are perceived to be violated, we got to get ours. It is so deadly, so debilitating, anger and hate, so controlling. Think about it in your journey. So consuming. I see people, Struggle with this in my own life, how it can just take over you. You can just keep thinking and letting it fester in you, how you view someone. It's a detractor of kingdom purposes. It it gets you away from what you need to be about. Because you're so focused on people and what they've done and what you should do to them. So what I want to do is I want to look at if anger is so crazy like that and, and Jesus is so clear as we're going to look at it in a moment, I, I, I looked at Proverbs and I thought, oh my goodness, I wonder if Proverbs is trying to tell us the different character traits of, 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 of anger which breeds hatred so that we can go, oh, I, I'm detecting it, I see it. Is that me? Lord, how do I yield to this? How do I yield to you not to fall into this? So let's look at what, what's the character of anger and hatred, Okay. Um, I'm just going to go over a few Proverbs, okay? There's going to be more. I'm going to mention a proverb, read through it a little bit, share some thoughts. Uh, the first character trait that's interesting about, about anger, which leads toward hatred, is that it's very deceptive. Very deceptive in a sense. Look at this. Proverbs 9, 8. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. It is deceptive, see, in the sense that this person uh, only surrounds himself with people who, who encourage his, his hatred or anger. You see that? It says, if you rebuke this guy, he'll hate you. Why? Because he, he's going to put himself around people who's not going to provide that, that rebuking force, right? You, have you seen that? Have you, have, you, have you done that in your life? Have you seen that where you got some issues with someone and you make sure that for whatever reason, maybe it's just convenience, you find yourself around people who feel like you do about them. Right? And then you get to talk and you get to fester it. You get to build it. And if someone starts to show that they're not aligning with you, you kind of mute their voice because you need to build your case. He says, hey, that's foolish. That's why he call you a scoffer. You're, you reprove this guy, you rebuke this guy, he, he'll hate you. Proverbs 10, 9, 18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. See that? The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Why does, he, why does, it, why does the author say lying lips? Here's why. Because he spread lies and rumors and things that aren't good. But look what it says here. Uh, the one who conceals hatred. Now, you see that? When you read that, you might think... Uh, that they're kind of like hiding it. But the point of the proverb is that he's hiding it in the sense that it's in there, but the way it comes out is through lying. You see that? Through lying lips, through, through rumors. So versus just saying, I hate you, I hate you, we, we go, I'm okay, and then we give a little falsehood about the person, or we put a little slant about the person. You see that? Has that happened to you? Are you guilty of it? You say, I don't hate him, but you can't say anything positive. I'm okay, but you can't care for that person. Proverbs 26, 24, we're going to go on down, skip the, I think, one. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips. See that? and harbors deceit in his heart. You see that again? This person hides it, deceit in their lips through talking about people or even justifying it in themselves. Here's the thing we got to all come to grips with. People, we're all, we're kind of the same. And so we we sometimes think that people who are hateful, um, they can't be you, so they wouldn't be like you. So you think, Man, you can't have really nice people be really hateful, right? But I want to propose to you that hateful people are just like us because we're the people who hate people. They're kind, and they never think they're that jerky to ruin someone's life. People don't ever think, oh, I'll destroy a group of people. I'll destroy their reputation. People usually don't walk around thinking they're doing that, right? They're just like you. They're just like me. Would you really want to destroy someone's life? But yet it happens every day. By really nice, godly people who look just like us. I just want to just, just get the myth out of your mind. No, I can't. I'll never do that. I can, that guy could never do that. Absolutely, because every day it's happening. 26, 26 Proverbs. Though his hatred be covered with deception. You see this theme, guys? His wickedness will be exposed in assembly. I love that in the sense that you can't fool discerning people. That's one of the things I, as as, as your leader, I'm, I'm praying and I'm hoping the Lord will allow me to continue to help us foster in my own life and in yours. My prayer is that you will be a discerning body is that you wouldn't be tossed to and fro by silliness. But your understanding about God and and his doctrine and rules and ways of Christianity and what Jesus is about and being led by the Holy Spirit would be so evident that when people are trying to bring deception and dissension and saying things that are untrue to you, about you, about others, when those demonic things are happening, you're discerning. And the assembly says, hey, you can't bring that here, bruh. I found you out. And that, that's what we need to be. That's what the Lord wants us. Proverbs says, it's a wise person. Twenty six, twenty eight. Proverbs. Look at this. A lying tongue hates its victims. Isn't that interesting? Calls the people victims. A lying tongue. And notice here, notice where the damage is going. You see where the damage is coming from? Do you see him saying, the wrath of a person cuts you with an ax? Not a lot of scripture on that, right? How does the deceptive, hateful person destroy another person that we've seen so far? His mouth, her mouth. Says, "Lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin." It is. This concept is actually talking about um, that the, basically it's not two different. It's the same person in this proverb basically saying it's an optimistic read saying that basically the person who has that lying tongue, that his mouth actually works ruin, that that flattering mouth works ruin. That basically the, the, the point of the proverb is that one day or maybe during that time, this person will be found out that, um, that basically when you're doing this, if this is us, he's saying you're actually victimizing yourself. You actually, you. This is, uh, this is bringing reproach upon you. And I've seen that, you know. I mean, let I, me just, you know, I, I, I try to take off the fig leaf with you guys when I'm up here, try to be honest. You know, in my life, you know, my personality does not breathe like everybody going, "We love Eric, we love Eric." Right? That's not the song that normally happens. I got people who really love me, and people who would love to shoot me. Right? And that, and that <laughs> took me years to figure that out. And I, I get it now. Um, but when I look at this, it's, it's interesting because I see that. I'll see people who are very hateful, you know, uh, toward me. And it's sad because I watch them, and I watch, and I just see, wow, I just feel like they spend so much time, spending their energy on me. And I watch their life, and it's really sad. And it actually, it, they're the victim because they're not even living because they're, they're worried about me and other people that they want to get. And it really is sad. I guess I've seen this practically in people. It really does. I really, yes, it's very interesting. So now, so that's the first one is that when you think of anger leading toward hate, man, it is deceptive. I hope, I hope you've been bought into the truth like, man, wow, it's deceptive. And then I ask myself, am I deceived? Where am I at? Am I sitting here right now going, yeah, that's deep and hating people, even as you're writing your notes? Or encouraging others to hate. Or watching people be, be destroyed, victimized because of the hate of others. And as a prophetic Christian, because that's your role, not saying anything. You're doing Pontius Pilate. It's not on my hands. If it doesn't happen to me, oh well. Is that what we're doing? Is that our call? It's deceptive. Another trait of anger that moves toward hatred is it's usually acted upon. And this is usually. That's what anger leads toward hatred, and it's usually, you usually see it acted upon. People think, oh, it's, you know, I can, I can, I'm okay. You know, I just don't like that person, but I'm okay. Well, I would say it's usually acted upon. Look, uh, Proverbs eleven I'm going to go past uh, 634. That will be in your notes when you, if, you, if you download it. It says, the desire of the righteous ends only in good, but the expectation of the wicked in wrath. You see that? So the desire of the riches, there's a desire he has It kind of ends in good, but when a wicked has an expectation and they don't get it, they act out. They go for it. Get, get, I, I want to get mine. They go for it all. It should be mine. It's always acted upon. Usually, I'm sorry. Proverbs 12, 16. The vexation of a fool is known at once. Have we, Have you seen that in, in in your life or in someone's life? Isn't that isn't that true? Uh, but the prudent ignores an insult. The person who just swells up quickly, you know, when when you a fool, soon as you prick them, they're ready to get you. The Bible says that's a foolish person. You shouldn't you need know, that. The Lord is saying that there needs to be some constraint. Be more prayerful. That's my bent. Be a fool and what you do, what, what? Respond versus, okay, Lord, wow, that really hurt. Let's process it. Let me get some counsel. Let me talk to some people. Let me, let me talk to the person first. Proverbs 14, 17. A man of quick temper acts foolishly and a man of evil devices is hated, right? I, the theme here is, man, your first reaction, your first reaction usually isn't your best. That's the point. So if you just think about that, take that home, pray about that. Let's go on down. Proverbs thirty thirty three. 33. I love this for pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood and pressing anger produces strife. Don't you love, don't you love Proverbs? <laughs> That's some good, right? Everybody looking at curds. They're like, wow, this is deep, right? It's crazy your nose, blood. I mean, that's a hard press, you know what I'm saying? But, but notice this point here, that there's something about when anger remains. Anger, I want to propose, is so hard to continue to remain and it not pr- move toward drama. And we've seen this. This is why, man, I'm telling you, 80 to 90% of stuff that has happened in horrible fashion in this local church consistently has been people get angry here, act like it doesn't matter, and then eight months later, we are here with all kind of drama going, what happened? Oh, remember back in February when you dot, 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 and now (laughs) it's August? And we're going, but but then the person will say, "Hey, but that had no bearings on what I did the rest of these months." You know, I was okay. I just hate you now. But I was okay all those other months, and it didn't affect anything. None of my decision making, the people I talked with, what I said about you in the church, didn't mean anything. I promise. I was holy from February and March and April and May and June, and all. But now I'm calling you this, and you got. Consistently, guys, I'm just trying to be honest with you. And guess what? A lot of those times have been sin. Things that I could have said, man, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Will you, will you, will you um, let me confess sin to you? But now we hear, and that's not enough. Undealt anger is a recipe for Satan to get in. Absolute recipe. So it's deceptive. It's usually acted upon. But you know what? It's also, these are are character traits. Now this is, when you're going through life and and one of these pop out, I want you to pause. I want you to go, whoa, 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 I want to act. Proverbs, Proverbs, what does it say Proverbs? All right? Oh, why do I keep saying negative things about this person? Is there anger here? Do I need to talk to them? The third one, it's usually, so anger which moved towards hatred. Or I would say anger in itself, even though hatred is obviously sinful. Okay, we, we're all cool there. But anger is usually evil and humanely justifiable, which means we as people justify our anger and hatred. That's what we do. That's what we do. We are good at it. We can conceal it. We can you know and, and heavens forbid you get some theological understanding. And you start wrapping theology around it and you can, I mean we can man we can doctor that thing up like a Christmas gift. I'm telling you. So we do. Ephesians 4 says 26 and 27 family it says uh, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. There it is. Harbor anger clearly gives Satan an entrance into your life and a life of the covenant community to destroy. Look at a verse here, uh, Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with a man given to anger nor go with a wrathful man. Um, read one more, Proverbs twenty nine and ten. Bloodthirsty men hate one who is blameless and seek the life of the upright. Why am I reading these things? Here's what I'm reading. When you, there's, there's a couple more in there. Here's here's the point. What you're going to see. You, those are just clear outbursts, right? Just seem super wrong. Now, when we read those passages, we read them and we think, Wow, bloodthirsty men. This is like some crazy people. Uh, who hate one who's blameless and seek the life, you know, of the upright. Make no friendship, man, give to anger. And we just see like this crazy person, almost like the, the, the demoniac, you know, in the gospels who's breaking chains and is crazy. That's how we try to view these people. You know why? Because we don't want them to look like us. You don't want to read those passages and think, no, actually, he's talking about the guy who can sit and be real chill and look and have his pen and kind of just goes through life. I want to propose, he's not talking about that crazy person. And I want to propose, that's why it's justifiable. I want to propose that these people are regular people, but you get to the point where you can justify your sin so much. You can hate people like this. You can always be out for people like this. And you can justify it and you can seem really regular. We want to make these two guys so crazy that they're out here somewhere. If so, why does the Bible talk about these crazy people so much? Why is there a whole epistle in 1 John that talks about this concept of loving people versus hating people? I would propose because it's more common that these are common people, not uncommon people. And he's saying, make no friendship with a man given to anger, or the wrathful man, always stirring up drama. A bloodthirsty people. But there's hope. That's the traits, right? But it can be thwarted. We don't have to live in hatred. We don't have to live in anger. Praise the Lord, right? It can be thwarted. Look at this. Look at Proverbs say. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Being slow to anger. Look at that. The sense of like, I don't need to, now, this is, this is going to get interesting, so I can just be slow to anger here. Okay, Proverbs 15, 18, look what it says. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger, he quiets contention. And we can look at those verses and we can think, oh, yeah. And here's what we do in America. We think people who can quiet contention are people who just let people do things to them or do things to others and really don't say much. But That's, 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 not, that's counter-Bible. See, that's why when you, when, you, when you see a concept in the scriptures and then you see theology of Jesus calling you to be, a, he calls himself a peacemaker, but the way he brings peace is by bringing war upon his enemies, which <laughs> we're talking about this year, and you see this theme of what does it mean to be a peacemaker and how to handle conflict, and you see the scriptures talking about making sure that dissentious people are dealt with and all this stuff, then you have to know that he can't be saying, you just kind of let things be and, you know, and, and it'll be okay. I definitely, wholeheartedly don't think that's what he's saying. He's not telling you guys that the, really, the nicest person who can overlook the biggest crap is godly. That's not the point of this passage. I don't want you leaving here twisted. Because some of us in here can do that really well. You can see people get dogged. You can get dogged. You can dog others. And everyone just bottles it in and kind of walk around like everything's okay. It's absolutely ungodly. That's not the scripture's. So I want to provide you with a gospel motivation for slowness. What does he mean when we talk slowness? Okay? Before we can talk about that, we have to talk about, which is a cousin, Is so what do you do then? If, if I'm supposed to be slow, what do you do with people who wrong and mistreat you? Right? Should we deal with that? I, there has to be some justice seekers in the house who are going, wait a minute. What if that person has maligned me and done that to me and no one knows that they did it and everyone thinks they're really nice but they're really a jerk and I want them found out you never felt like that they come in your room they come in your office they come in church and everybody's like oh how you doing you looking at them like you know you played me you know you lied on me I know how you feel about me but you're walking around here like everyone else thinks you're okay and you're an absolute jerk you never felt like that What about those people? Is God going to ever expose that person? Say, Lord, just show everybody he's not what he's acting like to be. He's hurt me. Would you show us, Jesus? Would you just show everybody? You never felt like that. You ever read verses like this? Romans twelve seventeen through nineteen. Look what it says: Repay no one for evil. Let me tell you how crazy I am. Repay no one evil for evil, but give. to to do what is honorable in the sight of all if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all be loved never avenge yourself but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written visions is mine I will repay says the Lord I read those verses and I go okay that means if I'm nice God will really get them that's what I do I go okay (laughs) here's two (laughs) dollars I'm trying to set it up. That's how crazy I am. Proverbs 24, 17 through 18. you You don't want to take this verse and manipulate it. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. You don't find yourself hearing bad news about your enemy and you're going, Yes, but then you're going, wait a minute, no, I want more to happen to them, so be sad. <laughs> That's not good. It's how crazy we are when someone has hurt you and they're not found out. We are trying to work God's hand to smash people. Some of us here have been seriously wronged, seriously hurt. Some of you have seriously hurt people through your tongue through your passivity some of us have been hurt in this room and a person has never apologized to you to this day some of this stuff is present some of it's past you know, no one knows Lord will someone know maybe it's a divorce you see them happy and you're in pain Man, how do we make it better, Jesus? I want to study your word. I want to know what you, what you have for me, in-laws. I want to propose that, that God is saying that for all of us who are carrying at some level a legitimate grudge in the eyes of the world, that Jesus has an answer. Let me tell it to you. It's explained in the gospel. See, the gospel is saying that there is vengeance and justice and everything will be set right one day. That's what the gospel is all about. When Adam sinned, Jesus should have destroyed us in his mercy, in the father's mercy. He decided to show his faithfulness, right? To show his love, to show his commitment to to justice and love and to murder his son. The, the, The beauty of the cross, guys, and this humbles my heart. The beauty of the cross is that forgiveness never means that sin goes unpunished. Let say that again. Forgiveness never means that sin goes unpunished. All sin of all eternity of all time will actually always be punished. Actually, the cross is about the punishment of sin happening, but not to you. That's the point of the gospel, is that the punishment of sin happens, but just not to us. So I want to propose, you see, Jesus did what he said he's gonna do. When he says vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, he did it. Here's the thing: every person will either experience that judgment and that payment for sin because they did not have their substitution in Christ. If you're an unbeliever, if you play in church, you don't know Jesus, you think you're pimping God, you're probably an unbeliever, and you think you you guys God says one day you will pay. Or those sins will be paid. At the cross from the believer. The believer who says, Jesus, you are my substitute. The Bible says that they will experience the payment of sin at the cross through the Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is what's so hard about that. What's so hard about that and the struggle is this. I realize I want to be able to go to the cross with my sin and wrongdoing, but I don't want my enemy to be able to do that. He does repay. There's believers and Christians that have hurt you and hurt me, and here's what Jesus said I paid for it though. Those sins have been paid for at the cross. You maybe have been hurt today. That hurt might be ongoing right now. Jesus says if they're a believer, just like your sin, you want your sin paid for at the cross. Theirs have been too. You know what the beauty of that is? Jesus says, I got it. You don't have to carry that burden of anger anymore. I pay for those sins. I've been just. I die for those sins. That hurt, that maligning, that slander that happened to you, those lies, I paid for them at the cross. So now you can give Jesus that burden. You can leave here today and not feel a burden of anger, not feel hatred that they haven't been found out. Their sins have been found out. Just not the way evil people want them to be found out, but by the way a gracious king allowed them to be found out. And that's at the cross. We've all been sinned against, and Christ is saying, you can lay it down today. Guys, lay it down. We're free. We're free from the darts of others. We're free from our own sin as we hurt others. Anger usually leads to hatred. Um, It's destructive. It's deceptive. Satan gets a green light when he sees you and me faking it. He sees us faking it and he says, I can get in there. I don't think anyone in this room wants to bring reproach upon this local body. I don't think anyone in this room wants to bring disdain to the church of Christ. But let me ask you this Do you need to ask forgiveness from some people that you've maligned, that you've hated, that you're angry with? Who do you need to forgive? Have you been harboring? Can I just uh, give a quick pastoral word to this body? And I, you know, and I say this probably every three months, but I have to because of the nature of our body. So I'm just going to say it again in the context of this passage. Our body is a unique body. Okay, uh, you move here into this community. Uh, you come. You see what we're doing. We, we, we passionately be a multicultural, gospel-driven, gospel-centered, discipleship-pillared church. We don't do everything everybody wants us to do. We have our vision of what we trust in the Lord for. It's not sexy, but no one yet in six or seven years has shown it to be unbiblical. In fact, by God's grace, we get celebrated all over, uh, for sure, mid- the Midwest, and there's people using stuff all over the nation that we, that we uh, produce. Say it to say, that can be hard for many people who have their own agenda and things they want to do. And I'm like that. That's how I am. I want to do my own thing. I like that. That's my, that's my deal. But the reality is we're in a body here, and we have a certain thing that we're doing. And the reality is we have, not, we have not hidden anything. We've been extremely clear. We've been extremely clear about what we're trusting the Lord for, what our vision is, how we want to accomplish that. Nothing's hidden. When people come, they come knowing everything about what we're about. Everything. Now, here's here's where it gets tricky. You get here and you go, oh, they're actually really about that. They weren't playing. I, I thought I could change them. I thought if I just did my thing, they would say, oh, we need to change everything. And they still haven't. Dang it. And Wow. They won't change. They keep doing what they said they were going to do. You know what happens then, guys? As I tell my kids, joy is a choice. Grumbling and anger is a choice. I've seen people choose joy. Many of you have chosen joy. One of our elders, if I can put you on blast, Alvin struggled. What the heck? Y'all want to do what I'm saying? I read all these books, I'm off the chain. And, and Alvin is. He's one of the godliest brothers I know. And he had to make a choice. Am I going to get behind his vision with these crazy pastors, or do I need to go somewhere else? And that's a healthy choice. That's okay. Because, guys, Mac Ab isn't for everybody. It's not. It's okay. Here's what breaks my heart. Instead of making that choice, or making a choice of saying, hey, wow, great, it's not unbiblical but it's not our deal. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna exit left and we're going to bless this body because you guys want to be about the kingdom. You didn't move here just to say, you know, look what we did, but you want to be about God's glory. Instead of just doing that, we malign each other. We slander. We lie. All those things are happening and they've happened. And here is my pastoral word to you, family. If you're in this body, and by God's grace he's given you the grace to say I can be a part and I can celebrate what this body's doing this leadership praise the Lord if God is giving you the grace to say I need to go somewhere and spread my wings somewhere else praise the Lord but consider that because if you stay here and you still want to change something what's going to happen is you're going to build anger the anger is going to build resentment that resentment is going to build hatred it's going to pour through your, through your pores and you're going to be part of destroying our body. And I'm asking you, please don't be a tool of Satan. I'm asking you to be a tool of Jesus. I don't know how clear I can get. Bless us and dip or stay and celebrate. Celebrate. But don't stay and throw a spiritual tantrum. It's just not helpful for any of us. Okay? Okay. No one wants to bring reproach upon the church, but it happens every day. And it's because anger builds hatred and hatred destroys, and Satan laughs, and God is not glorified. And nobody wants that. Let's change it. Let's have anger, brings communication, communication brings clarity, and then we celebrate no matter what the clarity is, unless there's unbiblical things happening. See the difference? I love you guys. That's why. I want to be honest because we're trying to be about the kingdom and we need to be able to focus on mission and loving each other. And as Mary J. Blige said, no drama. (laughs) (laughs) Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you bless this body? And, and Lord, we pray for your grace. Lord, come with me. We are not, our heart, you know, selfishly, I want this, I want that. Lord, we pray we'll be a gospel-centered body that's loving and enjoying each other. And we don't even have to have those discussions because we're all, we're saying, yeah, here's what we're saying. We're, I'm down or not. And we just enjoy and we celebrate. And then we critique in that, in that, in that spirit of commitment. That's our prayer, Lord. We love you. Uh, we pray that in this body, you would allow us to deal with that reality of anger and hatred and to ask ourselves, are we deceiving ourselves? Lord, to ask ourselves, are we finding ourselves it pouring out of us? Because it will. But we pray you give us the grace to allow it to be thwarted because of the gospel. Because of what you did on Calvary. That you have been, you, 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 you've been faithful. You've paid for it. The very people who are hurting here right now, the very people we have been hurt or hurt others, those sins have been paid for. And we pray that we would get right with you and get right with each other. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.